Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Whoop and Troop Podcast. It is your boy Troop here, and I'm actually alone right now. I'm on vacation. I'm visiting family in Louisiana and also San Antonio. I'm in Louisiana at the moment, though, so me and Payne will not be able to record this episode together. But this is going to be a big podcast. We're going to be doing our NFL Week 15 just recap. Um, I'll have half the games. Payne has half. Um, I'm also going to be doing a small college football segment, which is what you're going to hear next after this intro. And then also we're going to be talking about our fantasy basketball teams for this upcoming NBA season, which actually starts today. So, uh, now to that college football clip. So let's get into this college football segment. Um, I actually already recorded this segment, but my app kind of glitched. So I don't know what happened with anchor, but I'm just gonna do it again, but I'm just gonna be kind of doing an overall recap of my opinions on the top 10 really. Um, along with the New Year's Six Bowl games. And then also I'm going to be talking about just my opinions on LSU season. So we'll, we'll start with that. Um, I mean, I'm an LSU fan, if you all didn't already know. And last year was amazing. Uh, I think a lot of us can agree, greatest college football season of all time. Um, it was spectacular. I mean, we had so many stars. We actually tied Ohio State's record of, I believe, 20. I think it was, yeah, 20 players who were taken in the draft. Um, which is crazy. And then when COVID started, we had another 10 guys opt out, including our best receiver, Jamar Chase. And yeah, it was goodness. We had 30 guys off of the championship team from last year. So we were just a shell of ourselves. Um, so I don't really give our team too much blame for our record. I believe, let me look it up. I think we were five and four. It might've been five and five. Hold up. We were, yeah, 5-5. Five and five. That's not terrible. It's not good for a returning national championship team. I know, I know. But I don't understand the unneeded hate that we got. I think we were a super young team. I mean, we had a quarterback fight for the starting job between Max Johnson and TJ Finley the whole year, two true freshmen. Um, and, hey, that four, to, that four to win at the end of the year um, kind of saves our season in a way. It was a really big win. Um just made our made our season a lot better. We got to beat Florida when they were in a really big point in their year. And yeah, I I'm proud of LSU. I don't feel the need to hate on them like every single other team is doing. We didn't make the top twenty five, but just be on the lookout for next year. We're building back that championship resume. And yeah, I guess we can get into the top ten now. So for the top four, I don't have much dispute to be honest. Number one, Alabama, there's no other way you could have any other team. I mean, they're undefeated. They've looked amazing on both sides of the ball. I mean, not spectacular in defense, but they've looked flawless on offense. They haven't had a game under 35 points in, like, I think a year and a half. I mean, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith are looking amazing. Devontae Smith's actually the favorite to win the Heisman right now with Mac Jones coming in a close second. And Najee Harris is running the ball insanely well, so there's no way you couldn't put them one. You got two. You got Clemson coming off that big win against Notre Dame in the ACC Championship game this past week. They deserve it. They're, they're a good team. You can tell that that first game wasn't them. They didn't have their starting quarterback one, Trevor Lawrence, who's their best player. And they also were missing a ton of starters on defense at for the second reason. So how could you even fault that game against them? And they almost won it. So I don't see how people were hating on Clemson. I think they're a legit team. It's going to be a Clemson-Alabama final again for, I think, the third or fourth time. So not much of a surprise there. That's just my guess. But – the number three and four is where it gets a little bit interesting, and we can we'll talk about that for a second. Ohio State at three, six and zero. Oh. They're only they only got six wins, but when you look at this Ohio State team, they're legit. You can tell that offense, although they're a little bit iffy at times. Justin Fields and those guys, they know how to play, and I think they are the third best team in the nation. Whether their record like earns them a spot to be there or not, I I can hear the argument on why a team like Cincinnati or a team like Coastal Carolina. Should have had a chance, or um, or A and M really should have had a chance to creep in at the four, and let Notre Dame slide to three. But if you just watch Ohio State play, I I think they're the third best team in the nation. And although their record doesn't fully prove that, they are um, champions of their conference. So that's another thing, and that's something that they um the cultural playoff committee is pretty big on. They do care about conference championships, and. Although they didn't have the, the right amount of wins, they evaluated them as how good they were as a third-best team. And I can agree with that, to be honest. The number four spot, Notre Dame gets in here. And this is where a lot of people – I mean, not a lot, but some people had some controversy. They wanted uh, Texas A&M there. But 
I, I agree with Notre Dame being there, and the only reason is, although they had that loss to Clemson and it wasn't exactly pretty, if you just look at them as an overall team, I believe they are better than Texas A&M. Offensively, they're both not like spectacular, but you could almost just call that a wash based on how they play. Offensively, they're both like mediocre. But then defensively, Texas A&M is not as good as Notre Dame, just in my opinion. I think Notre Dame's defense will play better against Alabama than Texas A&M will. I think, I mean, Texas A&M already played Alabama this year and got rolled over. That was early in the year, but I don't know. I Just based on watching that Texas A&M LSU game, I don't think they're that good because we were not that good this year and we were actually playing in that game with them. So I don't know. I just don't think Texas A&M is that good. So I believe the college football playoff committee got it right with their four, although it's the most cliche four that they could do. It it's it's the right four, and I'm happy with it. Now, just to take a look at the rest of them, just look at the other New Year's Six Bowls. We have Oklahoma playing Florida, the six versus the seven. That game is going to be really good. Oklahoma had a rough start. They started out one and two, I believe. And Spencer Rattler, who was a top-rated uh, quarterback uh, in his high school draft class, not draft class, high school class, I believe he was might have been the number one. Don't quote me on that. But Oklahoma's had some great quarterbacks. You know, they got Jalen Hurts last. They've had Kyler Murray. They've had Baker. They've had some good guys who are turning out in the pros. So high expectations for Spencer Rattler coming into this year. And although it didn't start off well, they've come around finishing 8-2. and two, And they're playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game against a good Florida team. Uh, although this Oklahoma team is playing good right now, uh, I'm going to pick Florida in this game just for the mere fact that I think Kyle Trask is going to show up and play a huge game. I know Pitts isn't playing. He's trying to save himself for the draft. I think he's a great tight end. But – I don't know. This Florida team, I really see them winning this game, although their defense is a little bit questionable. They played Alabama very tough, and I don't know. They got a chip on their shoulder, and I got I got a good feeling about Florida going into this game. Um, another New Year's Six Bowl, we got Cincinnati playing Georgia, eight versus nine, and this game is going to be really interesting. Um, so Cincinnati here is undefeated. One of the teams that people had a lot of argument to make it to the playoff, they didn't end up doing it. They put it at the eight spot. And then Georgia – Dude, don't get. I could go off on a tangent on Georgia. Um, if you guys don't already know this, I live on the border of South Carolina and Georgia, so I'm around a ton of Georgia Bulldog fans. And don't get me wrong, I love a lot of them, but some of them are stupid as rocks, man. They have some of the worst takes and are just so blind to Georgia football, and they think Georgia football is as good as the Bible. Like they're they worship it, but this year they they weren't it. They they didn't have a quarterback. I mean. Stetson Bennett was who they were relying on for the first half of the season. And goodness gracious, Stetson Bennett is not a good quarterback. I don't know who tried to convince me he was, but he is not. This JT Daniels kid, though, he is he's looking legit. They should have had him. Oh, he was banged up at the beginning of the year, but he's gotten into that starting role, finally fully healthy, and things are looking out looking good for them there. Their defense is just the only thing that I don't have confidence in, and that's what Cincinnati is good at. They're a defensive team. So I'm excited to watch this matchup against Georgia's new high-powered offense and Cincinnati's defense. I genuinely don't know who's going to win this game. I couldn't even pick a side if I were to. I believe Georgia is favored seven in this game. Um, that line could be creeping up or down. But I forgot it says Florida's favored, I believe. I can check. I think Florida's favored seven. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. I'm going to check. I know if just to speak on some other New Year's Six Bowls, um, Alabama is actually favored 20 and a half points in this game, kind of insane. Um, and uh, Florida, no, Florida's favorite two and a half. That that makes sense. I don't know why I said seven. That was thinking of the Georgia game. But, yeah, two and a half makes sense for Florida to be favored. Um, yeah, Al Georgia is favored seven. Alabama is now – it's now down to 19 and a half. But still, the fact that it's close to a three-touchdown lead in a playoff game against the best team in the nation, the fourth best team in the nation, the fact that the spread is that different just shows you how good this Alabama team is. They're going to roll over whoever they put in there at number four, so I'm not surprised by that. And then Clemson is favored by seven and a half against Ohio State. I think that's too high in my opinion. I, I know Clemson's got a history against Ohio State in this uh, first-round playoff game. They I think they're like 3-0 against them. Might be 2-0. But I, I've got confidence in this Ohio State team, man. They – they don't have a lot of games played, but I believe in Justin Fields, and I think this is going to be a really close game. I'm excited to watch this game a ton. Alabama and Notre Dame I'm not too excited about, but Clemson-Ohio State is going to be one heck of a game, and I'm definitely excited about that. But, yeah, that kind of wraps up the college football part of this podcast, so let's get into the NFL. Now to the NFL part of this podcast. Like I said earlier, me and Payne are going to be separating the games half and half, so I'll have half and he'll have the other half. 
Um, so for the first game I've got here is uh, Bills at the Broncos. The Bills winning huge here, 48-19. This actually puts the Bills in the number two spot in the playoffs for the AFC right now. Um, I think in two, two, three weeks, no, two weeks, me and Pam will be doing a full playoff like predictions and breakdown when like everything's set in stone. But this does put the Bills at the number two spot in the AFC with the Steelers losing also. And I'm not going to lie. This was, I mean, in mile high in Denver, people kind of expected it to be more of a close game. I think the spread was five and a half. And the Bills blew that out of the water. They absolutely wrecked the Broncos. Um, Their offense is hitting on all cylinders. Josh Allen is becoming a candidate for MVP at this point. Um, I mean, their offense just looks amazing. He went 28 of 40, 359 yards, and two touchdowns with no interceptions. A great game for him. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary carried the rock all right, both for uh, – they rushed for over as a team, over 150 yards. Um, so not bad. But this Bills team is hitting on all cylinders at the right time. So they're definitely someone you don't want to face in the playoffs. Um, next game up, I've got the Panthers at the Packers. Both these games were playing on Saturday this week. And the Packers narrowly winning here 28-16. to The spread was actually 8 or 8.5. I forget what it was at game time. But, I mean, they won by 8. Pretty accurate. Um, the Packers were up huge here, I think 21 to three at one point in this game. And they just really cooled off, like super cooled off in the second half offensively. And I mean, their defense played well. They forced the Panthers to um, kick field goals in timely places, but their defense isn't amazing. All they really have is Jair Alexander on the end. And I mean, not the end on at corner. And I mean, they didn't really have to do much. It kind of felt like they were going to win this game the whole time for some reason, but that's kind of how the Packers are. They don't. They sometimes blow people out, but I don't know. I just you can't you can't count this Packers team out. Although they are not looking amazing on either side, I guess they're not like looking crazy good after this win. Offensively, they still have been great on the year. Aaron Rodgers was only twenty to twenty nine for one hundred forty three yards and a touchdown. Those are really bad numbers for Aaron Rodgers. Actually, usually, I mean, if we look at their past game, let's just see the game he played before that. Played against the Lions. And he was a uh, 26 of 33 for 290 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that's how their offense has looked all year. Um, their de- their defense is what hasn't looked strong, but holding a team under 16 to 16 points is pretty good in the NFL game. So you got to like that for them. It'll be interesting to see where the Packers are. I don't exactly know. They're either the uh, I want to say they're the two seed in the NFC. Yeah, they are the two seed right now. I think they still are. Um, with the Saints at one and them at two, but. You can't count this Packers team out. They're definitely someone you got to look out for in the playoffs. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how this team is playing going into the playoffs. Um, next game up, I had I got the Patriots at the Dolphins. The Pats were kind of seeing – people were see, thinking they could kind of come out and win this game. Um, this officially ruled them out of playoff contention. They lost 22-12. to 12. Um, Kind of embarrassing. I mean – let me just read off some stats here. Cam Newton was 17 to 27 for 209 yards, no touchdowns, no INTs. Tua played a pretty okay game. He was 20 26 for 145 yards and a pick. That's just how Tua is. He hasn't been great. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick should be the starter right now if they want to be able to make a playoff push. But, you know, I saw the Patriots, everyone counting Bill Belichick out this week and just saying this is where they always lose when they're playing in Miami, like at this time of the year, like the last five meetings, like one and four. But whenever you like started to count out Bill Belichick and tell him how bad his team is. He always shows up in like the game. You don't expect him to. So that was kind of why I was like, yeah, they're going to um, win here. And just, I don't know. Like I didn't expect him to roll over like this and play a weak game like that. Um, but this Dolphins team is really starting to like create question marks for them in the playoffs. Um, if they're, if they do end up making the playoffs, you'd expect them to, I mean, their defense is stout. Like, that's that's what I, we can we can't deny that defensively they've been great, but offensively is where they need to improve. And if they're going to make the playoffs, they've gotta do something. And that's why I think putting Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback is the move for them. Um, they still are relying on Tua. He is a rookie. I just say give him time. And I, I don't know. I just I, I don't see them doing anything if they do get into the playoffs. I don't see them being a threat unless they off, offensively they start looking better. But yeah, next game up. Got the Buccaneers at the Falcons. The Buccaneers winning 31 to 27 here. This game was pretty funny. You know, the Falcons up 17 to nothing at half, having full control of this game. 
it was it got Falcons written all over it. And as soon as I saw they're up big, I'm like, well, you know, they're gonna lose this game. And there, it never fails me. It never does. The Falcons always blow big leads. I mean, literally 17 points, and they let Tom Brady in the second half drop 31 points and come back with the final score of a touch, like a 50 yard bomb to Antonio Brown for his first touchdown as a Buccaneer. Um, not more to say. I think this Buccaneers team, although defensively they're still making, they're still a little suspect. I mean, run defensively, they're actually number one in the league on run defense, but um, pass defense, they're in like the bottom third. And uh, again, it showed Matt Ryan actually played a pretty good game, 34 of 49 for 356 yards and three touchdowns. Um, pretty great game for him. And then on the Bucks side, Tom Brady was 31 of 45 for 390 yards with two touchdowns. So a pretty great offensive game. Um, definitely want to see this Bucks team playing like this in the playoffs offensively for sure. And defensively, they really just need to get their secondary up and not get burned by anyone who can throw the ball halfway well. So they need to step that up. But I, them and the Packers are a matchup that I'm excited to watch in the playoffs if everything goes as it should. I want to see that faceoff of Brady and Rodgers. Um, I've initially picked the Bucks. I believe they're going to heat up then. And kind of like I, going back to that Packers game, it makes that kind of proves my case more, The how the Packers not looking too strong right now. I, I I don't know. It'll be good though. It'll be good to see those teams who's peaking when still got a few weeks into the playoffs. So that'll be interesting. And then the game of the week for sure. The game that had me on my eyes on the whole whole day was Eagles at the Cardinals. Sadly, my Eagles losing here twenty six to thirty three. Um, it, it hurts. We needed this game very badly. If we were to win out and have some other things happen, which were actually pretty possible, we'd make the playoffs. We are not fully out of it yet we still can have some things go our way but it's just less likely of a chance um but this game was great man Jalen Hurts played fantastic just to read off his stats he was 24 of 44 um 338 yards and three touchdowns and I know his efficiency like passing wise like completions to attempts is not amazing but he was just he he didn't make any big mistakes no picks um he led the offense well and just played a good game on the other side of the ball, Kyler Murray played amazing. 37 of oh, sorry, 27 of 36 for 406 yards for three touchdowns and an interception. Um, that's one thing to say though. That interception came at a very big time in the red zone. Um, this Eagles defense literally let up a ton of yards to Kyler Murray passing. Um, actually didn't play terrible. They had they made turnovers when they needed to, two times getting the ball in the um, Cardinals territory because of that. Or no, one time because of the Cardinals, but two big two big turnovers we had in this game. But just it, it's a kind of a gut wrenching loss. We played good enough to win this game, and we kind of just let it slip from us. Um, I just it hurts, man. Miles Sanders played a great game running the ball. It just all around the Eagles offensively are starting to look a lot better. Alshon Jeffrey finally got back into the mix. It was great to watch him actually look like old Alshon for a little bit. He had two very big PIs that were long down the field that kept drives alive for us. But this Cardinals team, they're making a push for that um, last wild card spot. And I think they will end up securing it, but they need to keep this up. Offensively, they look great. Um, but defensively, I don't know. They're still looking a little question mark with that side of the ball. But this was a great game. It was actually a, it was called by Aheeb Tlaib. I don't know how many NFL games he's done, but there was a bunch of mixed emotions on how good he did on this game. Some people loved how raw and like, kind of just like chilled laid back he was because he like he was actually interrupting the play-by-play guy a little bit and uh but he was also giving a bunch of really good insight into just coverages especially on the defensive end you know he was a pro bowl corner um so he had some really good insight into the game which was good but he was just a different kind of um announcing but you know this eagles team is not fully out of it so don't count us out yet there's still a slight chance. I'll talk more about that in the guest the lines part um, on the following podcast. But yeah, that was a great game. Uh, another great game this week was the Chiefs at the Saints. Sadly, I cannot watch this game as much as I watched the Eagles Cardinals because obviously they were on at the same time at four o'clock. But I did look back at this Chiefs Saints game and wow, like it's kind of crazy. Patrick Mahomes in this Chiefs team, thirteen and one. I don't know how you don't give him the MVP. It's it's definitely an argument between him and Rodgers, but Patrick Mahomes has been great. Uh, he was 26 of 47, 254 yards and three touchdowns. 
Drew Brees coming in his first game back was 15 of 34 for 234 yards with three touchdowns and an INT. This is a great game, man. This is, I mean, a little Super Bowl preview for uh, in a lot of people's eyes. And if you're the Saints here, I think you are happy with this win. You know, there was a ball in the end zone. If they fall on it and get a touchdown instead of a safety, they have a real shot of winning this game. But although they held the Chiefs to 30, 32 points, I think that's that like holding them. Yeah, you really did hold this team because of how like insanely good they are offensively. And if the Saints can just get their offense rolling more at the start of the game, they started heating up more at the end, but definitely at the beginning and just get the chemistry back with Drew Brees and his offense. I mean, they were missing Michael Thomas. That was a huge weapon out, and they still almost had a chance to win this game. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of want – the Chiefs need a loss almost. This would I don't know if this is a wake-up call enough, but the Chiefs need a game to where they realize they can't play – I mean, before going into this game, the Chiefs were 0-5 against the spread in their last five games because they've been playing, been playing people so close and just letting people kind of get the backdoor comebacks and – have a kind of like a late shot at winning games all, all even though they feel like they're not feel they are in control of the game it feels like it, it's still they still have to work on that because a good team at full health is not is not gonna let if the Chiefs let up at the end of a game they're gonna make a move and I think if the Saints team is fully healthy and the Chiefs were to play a similar way that they did this game they lose this game so the Chiefs may have won this game but I think you take it as a plus for this Saints team, and I'm definitely excited because that is my pick for the Super Bowl, and I'm excited to watch that because that is sure going to be interesting. Uh, next game, this game was a huge shock, huge shock. Uh, Jets beating the Rams 23-20. to Justice, the Jets, what are you doing? I know you can't like intentionally lose a football game, but you can put out your young guys, you can put out – inexperienced players give them reps and just lose the game on purpose because you have Trevor Lawrence who is some people are arguing the next goat of football he's a generational talent at quarterback and they're going to not be able to get him now because of this win to the Rams um this they're now they are one have one win the first one of the year so I guess congrats to their team for beating a good football team I mean literally one of the best defenses in the game with the Rams but it screws their chances of getting Trevor Lawrence if the Jaguars, all they do is lose out, which I assume they will try to. Um, th- that means they will get Trevor Lawrence and have the number one pick, so the Jets just ruin them, ruin their chances for that. But I guess it is a moral victory because they played great and beat a good team. But, oh my goodness, it's just such a Jets move to win when you really want to lose at this point. So that game was crazy, just that that even happened. But uh, not really much more to say there. And then the last game for, that I have on my slate, I had the Steelers at the Bengals. I saw this game. I predicted this as a Steelers blowout. The spread was 14. 14. I saw the Steelers coming back, rebounding after being on a two-game spiral. I'm like, yeah, this team is legit. They've got a good defense. They're not amazing offensively, but they've got three great wide receivers in Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster. And although Big Ben's a little bit banged up, he makes it work with those guys in the run game with Benny Snell right now. But no. No, just what are the Steelers, man? I'm not going to fully hop off. I'm, I was never on the Steelers bandwagon thinking they were that good of a team, but I thought they were a decent team, and they just lost to a two-win Bengals team without their starting quarterback, without their starting running back, without their best defensive lineman, without two or it might have been three. I know for sure. Without two starting offensive linemen, this Bengals team won this game. This Steel, The Steelers played terrible. Three turnovers in the first half. I mean – what? Like, how are you going to let this trash Bengals team come in here and beat you guys? It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't even know what to say. Um, It's just, it, it's baffling because Pittsburgh's on a three-game downward spiral, and they if they lose to the Colts next week, which is very possible with how good this Colts team has looked, then they're playing in the Browns for a season finale who wins the AFC North. And, like... <laughs> The odds on the Steelers to win the North, like I think a few days ago, you'd have been having to risk like $350 to win 10. It was such high odds because all they do is just beat the Bengals and that may have been it. Beat the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, just beat the Bengals. I mean, goodness gracious. What a fall apart for the Steelers here. And I don't have much faith in them in the playoffs at all. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you could. They're not that good of a team, but I still, they're missing Bud Dupree. They're missing some guys on with COVID and injuries. So I really I want to give them 
a hair of the benefit of the doubt. But regardless, you should not be losing to the Bengals under any circumstances, injuries or not. So I definitely question where this team is going right now. But I wouldn't count them fully out of being able to do something in the playoffs because I think when guys start to come back, things will be better for them. But yeah, I'm going to move on to fantasy basketball here. I'm trying to pull up my team one second. I'm actually in the wrong league right now. Hold up. Yeah. All right, so for my team, I'm just going to read off my starting lineup right now. Uh, me and Whoop, we're not, we obviously know each other's lineups, but we're not here in person. We're going to probably take a screenshot of when we play and just like predict who you guys think will win. But my starting point guard, I have Steph Curry. Um, man's a beast. Literally the greatest three-point shooter of all time. I like like him there. Um, at shooting guard, I have DeMar DeRozan. DeMar actually scores a lot. He's the primary scorer on the Spurs team. Gets a lot of the touches. Um, he also gets a lot of rebounds and assists. Keep in mind, this is actually my first year doing fantasy basketball. Um, I've been a diehard NBA fan for the majority of my life, but I've never done NBA fantasy. So um, this is going to be fun. I don't exactly know how it works like entirely, but I- I'm going to figure it out. We've already, we did our draft yesterday, and uh, just based off who I'm looking at, not who I'm looking at, just based off how I picked, I kind of like how my team looks. Um, I think I'll do well. But I, I genuinely don't know. Um, kind of like some like cheat codes. I I know fantasy football ten times better than I know fantasy basketball. But uh, a small forward, I have Gordon Hayward. This is kind of a questionable pick for me to be honest. He was he's like he has a broken finger. Um, but that's not a huge injury. I think he'll be able to get that fixed. Uh, but he's now the number one guy on this Hornets team. So him and Lamelo Ball are going to be looking to lead this Hornets team. So I expect him to be scoring a lot. So I kind of I like him here in my starting lineup. I also the other star on my team along with Steph Curry is Jason Tatum. I have put I put him at the power forward. Um, Jason Tatum is a beast, man. I see him breaking out huge this year. Him and Jalen Brown are going to do great this year on the Celtics. So I had to have him on my team. And then at the center spot, I've got Nikola Vucevic. He is probably one of the most underrated centers in the league. Um, he's definitely uh, if he's top five. I mean, if I had to just do a quick centers top five. Um, I put AD at power forward. Um, we can, I, I, I put Giannis at power forward as well because Brooke Lopez plays center for them. Um, so I'm going to go, I have Joel one, but if you have Jokic one, I have no problem with that. So then one, two, I, I guess I have Bam three, Gobert four. No, nah, I have Vucevic over Gobert. Gobert can just get rebounds and play defense, but Vucevic offensively is light years ahead of Gobert. He, he drops. He averages a clean twenty-five a game. I might be exaggerating, but he is the a lead guy on that Magic team. Just signed a big max um, this past year. Might have been the year before, but he. I like him at my center spot. I I think he'll do good for me. And then for my utility guys and my other guard and forward, I've got uh, Lonzo Ball. Uh, I don't. I'm I'm hoping that pick turns out well. I hope Lonzo has another pretty all right year. He did decent last year i think he averages like 10 and 6 um i think he'll do a little bit of an improvement maybe it could take like 11 and 7 i'd be happy with that i also have jeremy grant who is now on the pistons um he was in the nuggets last year really showed out and he'll have a primary role in this pistons team meaning he'll have a lot of uh just bunch of things in the stat category rebounds assists points etc so i like him as well and then for my utility guys i've got mitchell robinson the center for the knicks him and R.J. Barrett are running the show up there, and he gets a lot of points and rebounds, so I thought it was a good pickup for me. Um, I also got Marcus Smart. He's been just a everything guy for the Celtics. He does a bunch for them, so I like him as well. And then uh, another guy who was like the projected person to pick, I didn't really want to, but I kind of I kind of went a little with projections at times just because I don't exactly know how fantasy basketball works perfectly yet. Um, so I went Dante DiVincenzo. Um, you know, he was on Milwaukee. He little white boy out of what's his face uh, Villanova he's a he's a fun player to watch um he can score and I think he'll compliment Drew Holiday well so hopefully he'll do some good things for me and yeah I don't I like my team um I'm play, playing my boy Mike this week it'll be interesting to see how this goes but yeah um that's gonna do it for my part of this podcast with uh NBA NFL in college so uh yeah listen to my boy whoop and I don't know if this is gonna be the last segment but if it is, thank you guys for just 
supporting the Whoop and Shoot podcast. Really appreciate all the love we've been getting. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Whoop underscore Shoot podcast. Also on TikTok. We need to be more active on TikTok. That's something um, that is where we can really start pushing our content more and more. So make sure to follow us there. I think over this holiday break, we're definitely going to be pushing TikTok a lot more. So check us out there. And uh, yeah, just thanks for listening. So peace. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's Whoop. Um, I'm going to be doing the second half of this podcast talking about uh, NFL recap week 15. And just a little bit about my um, NBA fantasy team. I'm really excited about them. Uh, Chandler's in Louisiana. I'm in South Carolina. Uh, so we're doing two separate podcasts. We're going to upload them to upload them together. Uh, make sure you listen to that. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Chandler's got half of the games uh, from this past weekend NFL, and I got the other half. And uh, so to start us off, uh, the first game was Thursday night football: Chargers at the Raiders. Chargers took this dub, thirty to twenty-seven. Um, yeah, the Raiders they're seven and seven now. Chargers are five and nine now. Uh, Raiders they they try to. They started Marcus Mariota to try to get some offensive spark. They've lost three of the last four games. Their only win coming to the Jets, 31 to 28. So they did not they have not been playing great football at all. Uh, they still statistically have a shot of making the playoffs, but I'll go ahead and say it. They're not making the playoffs. They're not going to beat out the Ravens and they're not going to beat out the Dolphins, especially with the Ravens uh, ending schedule. They have the Giants and the Bengals left. So yeah, the Raiders uh really needed this win bad, but their season's uh pretty much toast as far as their playoff chances. Uh, so, yeah, Chargers took this dub 30-27. to 27. Uh, Moving on to the next game, uh, interdivision rivalry game, Texans at the Colts. Uh, Colts won 27-20. Colts have been playing really good football these past couple of weeks. They won 26-20 against the Texans, then 44-27 against the Raiders, and now 27-20 against the Texans. And, uh, you know, the question – uh, the question mark for the Colts this whole season is how well is their offense going to play or how, how good is their offense going to be, you know, down the stretch and whenever playoff, playoff time comes. Because we know how good their defense is. Their defense is elite. But I just want to read some quick numbers from Phillip Rivers these past three games because I think he's been the X factor and the reason of uh, why the Colts have won these last three games and, you know, why their offense have been playing so great uh, these past three games. So, yeah. So whenever he played the Texans, and in that win, he had he was 27 to 35, 285 passing yards, two tu- and two touchdowns. Then against the Raiders, he was 19 of 28, 244 passing yards and two touchdowns. And then against the Texans uh, on Sunday, he was 22 of 28, 228 yards and two touchdowns. So the past three games, he's been averaging around 23 of 30. 252.3 passing yards, two touchdowns, and zero INTs. What that shows me right there is he's been very efficient. And that's the one thing that that the Colts have been needing from him all season is just for him to be efficient. And uh, now the Colts are 10-4. and four. They're rolling. They're playing really well offensively, defensively. In my opinion, I think they're the second most complete team on the AFC side uh, behind the Chiefs. I just uh, – you know, the Bills, they, may, they might uh, – Colts played the Bills head-to-head. Maybe the Bills will win just defensively and offensively right now. I'm going with the Colts as far as just a more complete team, especially with the way the Colts have been playing um, on offense. Uh, I don't know how you can uh, – they may they may be the most complete team. I mean, I, maybe I'm going a little bit too far to say they're more complete than the Chiefs, but I'm definitely take, taking them over the Steelers right now and probably the Bills because the Bills' defense is not anywhere near uh, the level the Colts' defense is. And uh, the Steelers, you know, as far as peak goes and um, not peak, as far as potential goes, the Steelers have a uh, more higher upside as far as being a more complete team than the Colts. They just haven't been playing like it. They lost their last three games, including uh, against the Bengals last night. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I like this Colts team. Uh, right now it's looking like they would face a three seed in the AFC, which is which is the uh, Steelers. So, um that, that, that's a little preview for uh, next week, or next week's a little preview of what could happen in the playoffs with those two teams facing each other. They face off next week. I'm going with the Colts this game. They're on a three-game win streak. Steelers are on a three-game losing streak. That will be really interesting to see. They both are fighting for wins because the Colts are tied with the Titans at the top of their division at 10-4, and four, uh, and the Titans have the tiebreaker. They're, so they're trying to uh, win their division and get a higher playoff, playoff seed. So that will be really interesting to see. 
moving on, got the Lions at the Titans. Titans rolled over this Lions team, 46-25. to 25. Um, I've been saying it all year. Titans have weapons. They have playmakers, and they're really culminating at the right time, really peaking at the right time. Uh, their offense, I think, is top five in the league. Um, they've had four multiple 40-point games this season. Um, and if you just watch them play, nobody can tackle Derrick Henry. They, they just can't, And uh, except for the Browns, I guess, in the first half uh, two weeks ago. But then in, when you saw in the second half, the Titans put up 28 points. So you, they can put up points in a hurry. They're really, really good offensively. They, they're, just, they're just a really good team. But what the question mark is is uh, how good they'll be uh, on, def- on the defensive side of the ball whenever playoffs come um, against these better teams because – uh, they let up 25 points against a, a you know a pretty good Lions offense, but the Lions aren't a great team. And then they let up 41 points against the Browns, so uh, they got to get that under control. They need to make adjustments defensively, and when they and I think they will uh, come come time for playoffs. And if they're playing like they have been um, on the offensive side of the ball these past couple of weeks, I think they're uh, they're a dangerous team uh, for the playoffs. So yeah. Uh, moving on, Bears played at the Vikings. They took this dub 33-27. to 27. I really like the Bears this week. I saw how the Bears played on offense last week, and I was just thinking in my mind, I'm like, if Mitch Trubisky uh, you know, even plays halfway as well as he did last week, I think they, they win uh, this game against the Vikings because, one, both teams really won it bad. They're fighting for, this, for that last playoff spot against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are now 8-6 and six with that win over the Eagles this uh on Sunday, and now the uh, Bears are seven and seven. Vikings are six and eight. Uh, both of those two teams ha- still have a shot of making the playoffs. The Vikings, uh, well, I sc- scratched that. My bad. I don't know if the Vikings for sure have a shot. They might. Um, they could be eliminated because of tiebreaker reasons. But there is two weeks left, and they are two games back. So they, st- so they still could have a shot. But on the Bear side of the, uh, on the Bear side of things. Uh, they're seven and seven. They're uh, they they won. They went five and zero at the beginning of the season. They lost seven straight. Now they've won two straight. And like Philip Rivers, um, in his impact on the Colts team, Mitch Trubisky, uh, with these last two wins, I think he's been uh, probably their biggest uh, contribution or the reason why they have won. Um, you know, he's he was thirty nine to fifty four, four hundred four hundred sixty nine yards, four touchdowns in the INT in these past two games, and that's just efficient. That's just really efficient. He's not making turnovers. And uh, that's been something they've been trying to get rid of. The Bears have uh, with this with this quarterback play, whether it was Nick Foles, whether it was Mitch, whether it was Mitch Trubisky, they just wanted to see them, you know, be efficient because they know how good their defense is, and their defense will keep them in any game, like it did for the four, first five games. They won those first five games whenever the quarterback play was bad. Um, but then, as the season went on, just the quarterback play was horrendous. They couldn't get any offensive production, and you need at least a little bit, no matter how good your defense had, it, no no matter how good your defense is. And Mitch Trubisky has been very productive these past two weeks, and I think he's been the uh, X factor in why they won these last two games. So yeah, this Bears team they could be a dark horse. They could be dangerous if they end up making the playoffs. So that's exciting to see there what happens between the Bears and the Cardinals, who makes the playoffs. And all of that. Um, so that'll be exciting to watch these past these next two weeks. Uh, moving on, Seahawks played at Washington, took the dub, twenty to fifteen. Happy for my boys. Now we control the destiny in the NFC West um, over the Rams. The Rams lost the Jets to the Jets, Jets, which was just shocking. Um, very surprised to see that happen. Uh, they're nine and five and second now. Uh, the Seahawks are ten and four and first now. We are the third overall seed in the NFC, um, so that's good. Uh, Washington, they control their own destiny in the NFC East, even despite having this loss. They still have six wins. Uh, the Cowboys and the Giants both have five, and then you have the Eagles who have four wins, and all three, all four teams still have a shot at making the playoffs. They do. Uh, the Eagles play Washington uh, last game of the season, and the Eagles play the Cowboys um, this coming up week. So if they win those these next two games, that's absolutely huge. Especially if Washington loses to the pan, loses to Carolina this upcoming week. So that's a that's a huge game. Uh, Chandler's going to be you know probably really excited and really nervous uh, for these next two weeks of football. And uh, so yeah, it'll just be fun to watch. Um, yeah. So moving on to the next game, we have um, Niners or no, my bad. Jaguars at the Ravens. Ravens throttled the Jaguars in this game, forty to fourteen. This is pretty much what we expected. There hasn't been really an answer the past couple of weeks 
for Lamar Jackson, or at least not last week uh, for the Browns. He ran all over the, that Browns team, and it was just a really big win for them and a huge confidence booster as they're trying to make the playoffs. They're sitting at the eight seed. They have the same record as the Dolphins at nine and five, um, but for tiebreaker reasons, they're at that seven seed. But that I think. I think the Ravens are getting in over the Dolphins because the Dolphins play the Raiders and they play the Bills their last two games. So I see the Dolphins going probably around one and two, and then I see the Ravens going two and zero oh their last two games. I see them beating out um, the Giants and then beating the Bengals, or at least they should. So I see the Ravens making the playoffs, and I think this is a team who can, who may upset uh, some teams at the top of. Uh, you know, at the top, like, you know, if it, if they're the seven seed, who would they be playing? They'd play like the uh, two seed. Yeah, because then that one seed would have the bye, and that two seed right now is the Bills. So the Ravens versus the Bills would be a heck of a game. Um, I could see the Ravens upsetting the Bills. I could. Uh, the, the Ravens are solid defensively, and I think they could maybe at least contain Stephon Diggs and, and Josh Allen. And then if the Ravens are rolling offensively, I think they could – uh, run all over this Bills defense because the Bills defense is not great. So that could that that could be a really interesting game. Um, and then you also have that dynamic if you know what if the Ravens catch the Browns because the Browns are only one game ahead. You know Ravens went out. You know Browns lose to the Steelers last uh, in the in their uh, last game of the season. Um, then they both have the same records and uh, you know the Ravens would probably get that tiebreaker because they just won. I'm not for sure if they would or if they won it because I'm tr- I'm blanking on who won the who won in the first matchup at the beginning of the season, and then it would come down to points if the Browns won. So, yeah, the Ravens could potentially uh, jump all the way to that five seed. They're at eight seed right now. They could jump to that five seed, and they would be playing someone like the Titans, as what it shows right now, the Titans at the four seed. And I think the Ravens, that would be a, a rematch from last year. It would be a, a huge game. I, I think that game would be really inter- interesting as well, really close game too. So, yeah, a lot of uh, different scenarios, a lot of different possibilities for what could happen with this Ravens season. And then the Ravens could – they may not even make the playoffs. You know, the, if the Dolphins went out and then the Ravens, uh, you know, went out, the Dolphins would still get in. So a lot of things could happen. So that will be really interesting to see. They throttled the Jaguars 44, 40-14, to 14, though. Uh, next game we have is the Niners at the Cowboys. You know, Cowboys took this dub uh, – 41 to 33, huge win. They have five wins now. Uh, nine, they're, both teams are five nine, five and nine. Niners and Cowboys, they're both five and nine. Uh, Cowboys have a shot, at, still have a shot at making the playoffs, um, and they play the Eagles next week. So that's a huge game for both teams. And uh, yeah, they're trying to fight and make it, and uh, you know, win their division and get that, uh, which is crazy to say, but that four seed in the uh, NFC. So I'll be interesting to see. Moving on for the last game. Um, I'm going to talk about is the Browns at the Giants. Browns win 20 to six Sunday night football. Good, a good win here coming off that loss to the Ravens. You know, I don't think the Browns ever wavered in confidence. Um, Jarvis Landry tweeted something about uh, they have something special in this team and that he's really happy with the way this team's going after they lost to the Ravens. So I think he's really happy with the way their offense have been playing. Uh, the Browns kind of like a team like the Titans. They just need to, uh, you know, make some adjustments and uh, straighten up defensively, and I think they'll be fine for the playoffs. I think they'll uh, they'll be in prime position to make a run at the championship and uh, you know do some do some damage. And I think they're a team that's very capable of it. And uh, one thing I wanted to point out real quick or talk about is I saw a video of Colin Cowherd the other day talking about you know Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham, and he and the point he was trying to make was Baker Mayfield plays a lot better or or Odell Beckham hurts Baker Mayfield's play whenever Odell Beckham like whenever they play together you know like like Odell Beckham being hurt it isn't a good thing but it's a good thing as far as the way the team's been playing and the way Baker Mayfield plays what is what his point was is he said if you know have you ever had somebody you know like a bigger brother a big sister or somebody you look up to somebody you try to please it was kind of that same situation he said that Baker Mayfield, you know, he felt like it was an obligation. He felt like he had an obligation to have to get the ball, give the ball to Odell Beckham. So, therefore, he was forcing things, trying to make Odell Beckham happy and trying to, like, you know, make sure he gets the ball enough so Odell Beckham will be happy. And in turn, it was hurting the whole team's play and, uh, and you know, and them winning, giving them the best outcome of winning games. You know, it was, it was hurting their offensive production, all of that stuff. And hurting Baker Mayfield's play as well because because now that you see 
Odell Beckham not on the field, uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, he's playing great. You know, uh, he had a career uh, game against the uh, Titans, you know, through four, tu- four touchdown passes in that first half. And he's really – and the point, you know, Colin said was that Baker isn't your best athlete. He doesn't have the strongest arm. You know, you know, but but one thing he does have is he's a great point guard. He's you know he knows how to spread the ball out, knows how to make the right play at the right time. And that's all what this Browns team needed was just for their quarterback to be efficient. And that's all what and that's what Baker Mayfield's been doing. And he's been more than efficient. He's been playing great. You know, he's been doing. You know, he's been making really really great plays at the at, uh, really good times. And uh, and in turn, you're seeing this team win because they have a lot of weapons on this team. They have guys who will make plays. You know, if you just get them the ball, and that was one of the thing that things that Baker was struggling with, with is he felt like he had to make Odell happy, and then, and then you know, while he's trying to make Odell happy, and he's forcing things over there, he's missing out on what he should be doing in the uh, in making the right plays at the right time for this team to win. So, uh, so I thought that was just a really good point that Colin made, and now, and you know, and Baker's gotten a bad rap for being a bad quarterback and stuff like that and you know really overrated that sort of thing but now that we've seen the past couple of weeks and Odell Beckham hasn't been you know on the field Baker Mayfield's numbers and then if you just watch him play he's playing like a solid point guard he's playing like a guy who's not going to make mistakes he's going to make the right plays at the right time and he's just he's just going to give uh the best players on the team the ball your playmakers and that's what any point guard does and that's what a quarterback's uh, job is to do is just spread out the ball, not do it, do anything too spe- spectacular. Well, I wouldn't say the quarterback's job is not to do anything spectacular. Obviously, you know Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, those guys they're they're uh, they're 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 on a whole nother level than Baker Mayfield. I'm saying for like what Baker Mayfield does needs to do, all he has to do is just play efficient and just be efficient and just get his playmakers the ball. So I thought that was a really good point Colin and Cowherd made between uh, about you know. Odell Beckham was actually hurting the uh, overall offensive production for this Browns team and hurting, you know, Baker Mayfield's offensive production and how good he could be for this Browns team. So, uh, yeah, so now that you see that Odell's not – Odell hasn't been playing and you just see this team, you know, playing without Odell, they've been thriving. So I thought that was a good point. And uh, so, yeah, so that's so that's all the analysis on my half of the games for NFL Week 15. Um we're going to uh, listen to a quick ad before I talk about my NC, my NBA fantasy basketball team. So, yeah. So I'm in this league with like nine other guys, um, my fantasy basketball league, and we all put in like $5. And, you know, so the, and the winner gets, you know, a good profit, uh, $50, $50 to the winner, 10 of us. Uh, we all put in five. So, yeah, I'm excited for my fantasy basketball league. Just want to go over the players I have. Um so, yeah, so the guy drafted first was Luka Doncic. Um, we all know Luka, great all-around player. And the reason why I drafted him first was because – and I actually had the first overall pick was uh, he's a guy who gets a lot of all-around stats. And um, so his all-around stats will generate more points. He's not, you know, the best player in the world. But from a st- from a statistical standpoint, he, he has the best stats in the game. Um so I think he'll generate the most fantasy points for me. So I'm glad I got him. That's a that's a big, big, big uh, first draft pick. And then I also have Don, then I drafted Kawhi Leonard second. Um, I I'm actually surprised he kind of went kind of that low or that that far uh, like went into the second round. I thought he'd be like you know maybe a first round draft pick for sure. Um, I think he's going to be a sleeper pick uh, this year as far as like superstars. I really think you know. I think with the Clippers dynamic and all of that about, you know, there was some controversy, not controversy, but uh, more so of figuring out who should take the last shot. Um, you know, there, it wasn't maybe just – it wasn't like a known thing. But if you watch Clippers basketball games, uh, you, you knew that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, there was struggle there on, like, who should get the ball in the clutch, you know. And I think this year, though, I think Paul George will really understand, like, you know, Kawhi Leonard is the best player on this team. He needs the guy with the ball in his hands. In crunch time, so I think we'll see him with the. I think we'll see Kawhi with the ball in his hands a lot more uh, this season than we did last season. Um, a lot more important touches. So that was one thing in the back of my mind whenever I drafted him. Drafted him. I think he's going to have a, a much improved uh, season as far as statistics go. Uh, I am kind of scared with like you know if the Clippers get like 
a lot of uh, you know a lot of wins early and stuff. They're like a two seed and stuff like that earlier in the season. If if uh, Kawhi, Leonard, Kawhi Leonard will take some games off, that's something that does scare me because if that happens, then that's a big blow to my fantasy team. But I'm willing to take that risk, and and um, I feel like Kawhi's mindset is he's out for blood this season. And also, there's that whole Jerry West dynamic, that whole lawsuit. I don't have no idea what's going to go on with that. I'm pretty sure it's nothing, and Kawhi won't get suspended or stuff like that. I don't know if there's any rumors circulating, but who knows what will happen there. But I do like Kawhi Leonard in that draft pick, uh, second overall. Then I took Donovan Mitchell. So that's kind of like my big three, Luka, Kawhi, and Donovan. Uh, we saw how good Donovan Mitchell was in the playoffs uh, this past season. Uh, him and Jamal Murray, that that uh, when they were going head-to-head, they were just putting up historic numbers, unbelievable numbers. And I think, you know, the way that the Jazz lost and the way Donovan Mitchell was at the end of that series and how, like, you know, heartfelt he was and how passionate he was to try to win, you know, we saw all of his emotions come out whenever, you know, Mike Conley hit that shot. And then, and, you know, he put he put his blood, sweat, and tears. He, he fought, like, so hard, you know, to win that series. I think this is going to be like, like kind of, uh, in a way, a revenge season. Um you know, I feel like he'll come out and he'll just get, you know, buckets and he's going to he's not going to be afraid of anybody. He's going to go out and um, try to make a statement that, hey, uh, I'm ready to I'm ready for the playoffs. I think, you know, our team's good enough where we can go all the way. And I think he's just going to come out and try to make a statement. So this is one of the guys where I was thinking, like, hey, I think I want to pick him. Um, I see him putting up huge amount of numbers uh, this coming up season, having a, uh, maybe the best season uh, of his career uh, thus far. So, uh, yeah, I like that draft pick for sure. Then also, then my uh, power forward is Christian Wood. Um, I see him doing really well in this Houston lineup. We've already seen that uh, – we've already seen in preseason how well he's done with uh, James Harden. I think he had like uh, – Christian Wood had like 27 and uh, 11 boards and two points. And if he if Christian Wood can be a guy where he's like, you know, 18 points – uh, 12 boards. That's going to be really, really solid for my team. Um, that that'll be a really good pickup. So that's one of the things where I think he'll generate into, and I think that's his uh, potential. And I think that's something that's uh, a very likely possibility of the season for him being like an 18 and 12 type of guy. Then at my uh, center position, I have my boy Yusuf Nurkic. Um, you know, I had to put in some Portland guys. Uh, you know, he was hurt majority of last season until you know playoffs came around and stuff like that, and. Uh, He's another guy where he's very underrated. I feel like he he had a, a bunch of big games for us. He had a big game um, whenever we were in the bubble against the Celtics. Uh, we ended up losing that game, but he was he was probably our best player on the floor that night. Uh, he he shows up, plays really well um, in big in, in big time games and in big moments. So that's one guy I, I wanted on my team. And also from a from a, from a statistics standpoint, he's a, a good player. He's like a sixteen and twelve type of guy, something similar to what I think Christian Wood will be. So, uh, yeah, if those two guys, uh, you know, put up the statistics I'm thinking they will put up, my team's going to be really hard to beat, I feel like. Um, then at my forward position um, – wait, no, not my forward position. My next guard position, I have C.J. McCollum, another Portland Trailblazer. Uh, this is – I've been watching C.J. for the past, you know, however long he's been in the league. And he uh, – like six or seven years, I'm pretty sure. But in the past, like, you know – Three to four years was whenever he really generated into an all-star caliber player. And this guy, he's gonna he's gonna continue to put up at least average 20 points in this league for probably the next, you know, six to seven years. This guy is a bucket getter. Uh, I still see him um well not six to seven years. I'd probably say like four to five. But but my point is is this year he's gonna be another he'll average around 22 points like he did last season. He's just a guy who who uh just you know, he'll just get buckets and he's a great second option to Damian Lillard. And sometimes he'll he'll be he'll be the guy where he could end up, you know, not not taking the last shot, but uh will go to in important situations of Dame's, you know, getting double to double teamed and stuff like that. And he's he's so crafty with the basketball. I just see him having, you know, a really good season as well. I, I if I had to put a number like on what I think he'd average, I think he's gonna average somewhere around like 23 and a half points. So that's that'd be perfect for my team. Then Michael Porter Jr. I rolled the dice with this guy because, you know, I think we kind of saw his ability and like what he can do um, on this Nuggets team last year in the playoffs. He was a great third option uh, for this team in the playoffs. You know, he had a, he had a number of really good games and uh, really good games in the bubble too. 
And if I think he'll be, you know, he'll still be in that role where he'll be, you know, a solid player and he'll be their third best option as far as scoring goes. And I see him getting around, you know, a guy getting like 16 to 17 points uh, averaging that. So if he if he does that, that'd be great for me. Um, I see him having a really nice season. Then I have Kimba Walker at my uh, at my next point guard position. He's actually he's yeah he's my I guess this is my first year playing NBA fantasy basketball. So forgive me if I'm saying you know like the uh, like what position he's in, but it looks like he's my utility guy uh, or one of my utilities. Um, he still like counts towards my points. So Kimba Walker, uh, you know he, he's going to be a guy who's going to average around like 18, 19. So that'd be that's going to be really solid for the uh, for my team, and then he could he could potentially be a guy who averages around twenty four points. You know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have developed into a really nice duo, but it could be you know Kimball Walker who uh, shines the most this next season, and he still proves that like, hey, I I think I'm the best player on this team, and then uh you know and uh, he definitely has the ability ability to uh you know make a case for him being the best player on this team. We all saw what he did on Charlotte. And I think a lot, a lot of last season, a lot of his struggles came, came from not really uh, figuring out what, like who he was on the team, like, what, uh, like, because he's always been that first option. So like, you know, when you go to, to a team and you're the third option and it's really hard to play into that role, but I think whether he, whether the Celtics figure out, yeah, he's the second or first option or if he's the third option on the team, uh, I think he's definitely getting that figured out over the offseason. He'll be able to flow really nice with the offense in whatever role he hit and whatever role he's in. So I think that's a nice pickup for me. He also went far in the draft or really late in the draft as well, and I was kind of surprised with that. Then I picked up Spencer Dinwiddie. I know uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are back. But whether you think it's Dinwiddie or whether you think it's Levert, it might be Levert now at that third option. They're going to get buckets as well. There's going to be nights where, you know, it may not be Kyrie Irving. It may not be Kevin Durant um, who's hot. And uh, because sometimes, you know, maybe both of them won't even be hot. And Kevin or and Spencer Dinwiddie and Levert are the first option out on the floor. So I think Dinwiddie's another guy like a C.J. McCollum who just knows how to get buckets. So I think that's a nice addition to my team. Then I have uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I like him being on the uh, Atlanta Hawks. He's a guy who's probably going to get around, you know, 15, 15 points per game, uh, you know, spot up shooter. And uh, yeah, he'll, he'll have a nice addition to my team as far as points goes and get, I don't know what the average, what like the average fantasy points is. Um, if Bogdanovich scores like 15 points, uh, you know, in a game, I don't know what that translates to fantasy points, but I, that's a pretty solid number for being like my last guy. For, for being like my last uh, starting guy. And then on my bench, my three players is Chris Levert, Brandon Clark, and Goran Dragic. I like all three of these guys. Chris, you know, he's a guy who could very easily be my starter over Spencer Dinwiddie or over Bogdanovich. You can really rotate all three of these guys out depending on how well they do this season. I see all three of those guys being uh, really solid players. So, yeah, I'm excited about my team. Excited to uh, see what happens this first week. Actually, I'm already I'm losing right now, 46 to 15 to uh, Grant. Uh, he has Kevin Durant, who had 22 points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals, uh, one block in the game tonight against Golden State. And then I had Spencer Dinwiddie, who had nine points, five boards, four assists, uh, one three one three pointer made, zero blocks. Uh, I have him on my team, and he had 15 points. KD had 46. So this. This first week could be really close. This, like I said, this is the first time I've ever played NBA fantasy basketball, so I'm still trying to understand uh, how the point system works, all how all of that works. But yeah, I'm excited about my team, and I hope I get the dub for this first week. But yeah, I appreciate y'all listening to the Whoop and Shoot podcast. Uh, pre- appreciate all the support y'all been giving us and stuff. Just listening to our podcast, we're gonna be you know continue doing TikToks, uh, continue continuing obviously doing podcasts. Um, yeah, we're just, you know, we're trying to, uh, we love talking about sports, man. Uh, there's a lot of times where we just, you know, we'll come, we'll do the podcast and we'll just, you know, we'll get down to business and we don't really like talk about like why we like doing this and stuff. And, and, uh, but we love, we love sports. That's, that's something I've always loved. I love watching whether it's NBA, NFL, all that stuff. I love reading about sports. I, I love that whole thing. And then, I, and I hope I can maybe one day make a career out of it. And I think Chandler does too. 
but yeah, we, we love y'all supporting us and stuff. And uh, yeah, we're just, I mean, it's a hobby and, and we're really passionate about, passionate about it. And if it grows into something bigger, well, then that'd be awesome. But right now we're just doing what we love and uh, wanting to share, you know, some of that, you know, some of that passion and some of the, and uh, our hobbies with y'all and, uh, you know, just give y'all some insight. So, yeah. Um, appreciate all the support. Continue to keep listening to us on, um, you know, you can follow on, on our, you know, you can click the link on our Instagram at whoop underscore choop uh, podcast. That's our Instagram name. And then uh, follow us on TikTok at that same name. And then uh, at, yeah, at whoop underscore choop uh, pod, podcast. I think that's it. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. You know, y'all know Chandler does the outro. Um, and, well, yeah, he usually does the outro and says all that uh, at the end of the uh, podcast. So I'm not quite certain on that. He probably said it in it, in his own podcast. So, yeah, uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it, y'all. Have a Merry Christmas and a uh, good night. Peace.